about religion that we have to remember when we're talking about that makes it such a hot topic issue is because we're talking about law. Who gets to be God? Who gets to be God's deputies? Who is the most high? Who is the divine authority? It's all about the claim to the most high. The only way that somebody can be higher than us is if we give away our power. Because there's nobody, we're all equal. But we're not equal in our knowledge, so ultimately, I think it does have to be a hierarchy, but it has to be a cooperative hierarchy, like a bee colony. We have to, it's about what our value system is, what we care about. Universal Hive Mind. Today is June 21st, 2023. I'm your host, Nate Cap, and welcome to the 60th Cubbyhole Podcast, where critical topics are unveiled, discussed, and tested. The website for today's show is cubbyhole.com. That's C-U-B-B-Y-W-H-O-L-E.com. And if you prefer to listen to the show on a different platform, you can also listen with Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Pandora, Simplecast, YouTube, Odyssey, Minds, BitChute, and much more. So thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you guys are all doing well and ready to go further into the degrees of esoteric Freemasonry, especially dealing with the third degree. And we're really going to do a deep, deep dive today in this degree. There's a lot that goes into this degree, so hopefully you're ready. Uh, But before I get into that, I'd like to do a little recap on the last show dealing with the legend of Hiram Abiff, the allegorical figure of the central figure of Freemasonry, uh, which I'll be going further into today, as well as breaking down many uh, further mysteries that are tied to this legend. And before I get into any of that, I'm going to let everyone know about the conferences that are coming up, as well as my presentations that I'm going to be giving at these conferences. And one thing to mention before I get into any of that, uh, I actually forgot to mention this on the last show, is I was invited on the Wizard Factory show uh, podcast with Logan Hart, and we had a really awesome conversation. Uh, I actually went on the show and gave a a small presentation regarding green language and symbolism and the language of the birds. And it was a, you know, a really fun conversation and Logan had a lot to uh, add in and it it was just, it was overall just a a great experience. And uh, if you're not familiar with the wizard factory, it's a really great podcast and uh, I'll definitely leave a link in the description if you'd like to check out that show and uh, check out his uh, podcast. So now on June 24th, this Saturday, I'll be giving my presentation Oculus at the Trivium Conference, the free online Funnel 3 conference. Uh, my, my presentation will be at, I believe, 9.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, Pacific time, and I will definitely leave a uh, time slot uh, or a time schedule on 
uh, for Saturday and Sunday in the description. Okay. So what I'm going to be breaking down is one of, if not the most ancient of all symbols and how it helps us better understand truth, spirituality, natural law, and freedom a lot better. And it'll also be a very short and extremely condensed form of this section of this cubbyhole uh, show dealing with esoteric Freemasonry because the third degree is dealing with this symbol known as the circle dot. But, you know, I've already talked about this symbol a little bit, but I'm a, I'm going to really, really go into it a lot further into a lot of detail. So uh, hopefully you guys are, you know, really uh, ready for that. Uh, there, there's a lot that goes into it, but the presentation is basically just to whet people's appetite and get people ready to, you know, hopefully be inspired and want to go further in their research for this symbol. Okay. And more information on the Trivium Conference can be found at freedomundernaturallaw.com. And also, if you want, you know, more information about this conference, you have to go to the website and you'll find all the information there. And, you know, registering will definitely get you more information. But you can watch this whole conference at uh, onegreatworknetwork.com and you can also watch it at freedom or natural freedom league uh, on youtube and uh, there's a lot of other platforms that you can watch it but i recommend going to freedomundernaturallaw.com and you'll be able to find everything there that you're looking for but there's going to be a lot of great speakers uh, a lot of great knowledge that's going to be shared and it's it's going to be pretty epic. I mean, you know, the trivium is one of the most valuable methods of uh, learning and uh, thinking and communicating that anybody could ever undertake. And it's it's highly recommended. And, you know, that's all we talk about on this show. I mean, the whole third degree of esoteric Freemasonry is about the trivium. I mean, all three of these degrees that I'm talking about on here is all about the trivium. So uh, one thing I wanted to say too is, as far as I know, this conference is ran by Will Keller, Chris Jansen, and Leslie Powers. And all three of these guys are uh, great hearts, great minds, and just, you know, overall awesome people. So uh, definitely uh, don't miss that conference. And also, I will be giving my follow-up presentation to my presentation that I gave at the Seed 3 conference called Earth Brain and the corresponding symbolism. And I'm going to go a lot further with that in my new presentation called Earth Brain 2, The Sacred Trace, which will be a, a further investigation into the deeper connection to Earth through understanding the ancient Egyptian sciences and symbols and understanding the orientations of the poles. And it's going to be a really uh, edgy presentation. Uh, it's something that I have really studied uh, a lot and, and uh, really contemplated. And I'm really looking forward to giving this presentation and being part of this conference, the Seed 5 Metamorphosis conference. Uh, 
uh, ran by Brandon Martin. So definitely do not miss that. And uh, more information on that conference can be found at seedtruth.com. Okay, and that's coming up in September. Uh, September the 23rd through the 24th, I believe. Now, on the last episode, I gave a really important breakdown of all three trestle boards together and by the same artists. And I really just want to emphasize that it is so important that we use all three trestle boards by the same artist because of the intent, okay? That is so key, okay? But that, again, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't put other artists' uh, renditions and trussel boards up against uh, other artists, you know? So having different trussel boards by different artists because definitely um, that will, you know, give you more of an eclectic view and it could actually unveil a lot more to you in that way. But what I'm saying is if we understand the intent, then we can really start to see more of, I would say, a clearer picture of you know how the artist understood these degrees in order, okay, and how they go together. I just think that they uh, go together a lot more because of the intent, okay? So it's important to make sure also that these degrees are understood in order, so that way there's you know a, a beautiful development in the understanding of reconnecting to nature through allegory and geometry or symbol you know geometry just just think about that for a second you know geometry is our connection to nature so the more that we understand this sacred geometry the more we're going we're going to be able to reconnect to nature because geometry is really where it all comes together. It's really how we are able to understand the creator um, a lot better. You know, there's, there's so much that goes into geometry and it's just so important that we really, really understand that this is uh, where we're meeting in the middle, okay? Where we're really meeting the understanding of the creator, all right? And that's what this is all about. And of course, you know, learning the unfoldment of natural law, okay? Because as we learn these degrees, we'll, we do start to, to see this natural law unfolding within this science, okay? And how important it is to understand. Because if you don't have the, the knowledge of natural law, then you're not going to really go through this properly. You're not going to go through these degrees properly, okay? And that's what the allegory of the legend of Hiram Abiff is all about as well. At least, you know, the positive light sense, okay? It's about being inspired to align to the spirit or light. And that's what Hiram Abiff is. He represents light. He represents truth. He represents consciousness. He is a spiritual exemplar, okay? So the science of Hiram Abiff teaches the student just how important equilibrium truly is because that's what the great work of being a master of self or a master mason uh, really is all about, 
It's the art of balance and sovereignty. It's the alignment through our thoughts, emotions, and actions. Okay, so, you know, thoughts being the intelligence. Okay, you know, emotions is about being upright in care, you know, finding care, bearing care. And then action is about, you know, being the will, the willpower of overcoming base desires. Base, it's, it's about becoming higher and raising above the base level being or ignorance. Okay. So having those parts of us aligned is really what's going to uh, create balance in our life. Okay. So as we create balance in, within ourselves, we help create balance in the world. Okay. So the murderers of this degree of the higher self or Hiram Abiff are the three ruffians and their names are Jubala, Jubilo, and Jubalum, which are, they're all three akin to ignorance, laziness, and apathy. Okay. The parts of the self that if they're left unchecked, they will most definitely generate slavery of the self and thus the whole world in some way, because all is connected, all right? They are the destroyers of responsibility and truth uh, and, you know, true care and light, period. So the symbolic meaning of the three ruffians is to hold the self, the higher self, down in the lower animal parts, you know, a, a lower frequency. A frequency that makes it easy for the dominators, the dark psychologists of our world to give their mindset over to those, those below them that have no idea of this type of knowledge. And they can't see what's actually taking place because they don't have their eye on, okay? They don't have their oculus with light. You know, that's, that's what staying on the floor or under the floor of the house really is all about. It's mental slavery. It's about being played on the chessboard, you know, the checkerboard, never truly knowing who I truly is or what the point of all this really is. You know, just going through life, never knowing true love or true care or uh, true connection you know, just living an aimless, manipulated, hijacked mind, ready to do whatever's ordered, and basically feel what is artificially programmed into the self to feel, you know, no true feelings, uh, you know, no, no questions asked, you know, no curiosity to, to want any real truth, just internally shut off and living in the R complex, the survival brain, the lower brain, okay? Not in the neocortex, all right? Not in the higher order part of the brain where the brain is functioning and balanced because that's the goal is to get to that part of the brain. That's where we really get to see ourselves. That's where we really get to know who we truly are and see our connection to everything. Now, I would go back and listen to show number 24, 
uh, well, really all the 20s and all the 30s, all the way up to basically show 45, where Brandon and I break down most of the methods of manipulation. Because we have to understand that the these dark psychologists, these dominators at the top, are really easily dominating the minds of the masses under them by keeping them ignorant, lazy, and apathetic of this type of knowledge. Uh, but, you know, I'd go as far as to say that, you know, they really don't even have to try because people just don't care. People loathe themselves so much that they seem to enjoy supporting their rulers, even knowing that they're lying, evil vermin. Okay? They know this, and they still are okay with the way things are. Okay? And they, and I know that they, they feel this at their core, okay? But they, they haven't even made it to understanding their feelings. They don't understand that their hearts, their heartstrings are being pulled by manipulators, okay? They don't realize that they're living in the R complex and they're being dominated by this part of their brain. They're being dominated by the limbic system too. But it's it's all an appeal and belief in authority because they don't have this knowledge of self, period. This is why the ruffians murder Hiram Abiff. They murder him because he won't give them something you know they can never achieve or attain. And that is the secret of Freemasonry, which is equilibrium. And you don't even have to, you know, say Freemasonry. You could just say the secret of life, period. You know, equilibrium can only be achieved by balancing the brain hemispheres and consciously avoiding getting stuck in any, you know, mental dialectics or imbalances because it's about doing the great work. Okay, it's about understanding that these ruffians, you know, being laziness, ignorance, and apathy, they are the destroyers of equilibrium. Okay, but we have to understand this is an alchemical process of going, you know, from the ring of base desires the ring of you know base darkness to the point of light to the center okay this is where we find enlightenment enlightenment inward light in mind that's what ment means mind okay so let's go ahead and go to the slide that says the three Ruffians, know your enemy. So Hiram Abiff represents the spirit, the spirit that is murdered by the three ruffians or spiritual assassins. They're the assassins. 
okay, the assassins named Jubala, Jubalo, and Jubalum, which are all three together, the Jubala-om. Jubala-om, all three together, that's what they are. Now, in the last episode, I said these three are the Jews, okay, J-U-W-E-S, okay, it's spelled different than, you know, the, the word that we all know, Jews, but all three together as a package, a package deal, they're Jubala-om, okay, and a bad package deal, okay, I might add, and the spirit of Hiram needs to be symbolically resurrected by the seeker, the individual, because it is symbolically the light that has died with the older, lower material self. And it needs to be renewed. It, mean, it needs to be rejuvenated into the new spiritual self. Okay? And again, this is part of understanding the Fisher King legend, the, the Fisher King allegory. That's what this whole third degree is really all about. It's about resurrection and sovereignty. It's about learning how to resurrect the spirit or how to resurrect the light within. It's about previously being dead to what's you know truly going on in the world and being unconscious, being lazy, being apathetic, being ignorant being cowardly, and then, you know, being able to have uh, or, you know, go through an awakening and leaving that dead lower self in the coffin as we raise our spirit out of the coffin into a new rebirth, you know, which just means finding care and aligning to natural law. It's a moral rebirth or realignment. And I'm going to really uh, explain what I mean by this as I go further, okay? So, Hiram is the birthed son of the widow, right? The virgin. He's the mason. He's the widow's son. The balanced neocortex. Solomon. Solomon's temple. You know, the temple of Solomon. Soul of man. You know? The vows are universal. It's the soul of man, right? And, you know, just remember what I said on the last show. This is, you know, the reason for the the virgin, the widow's son. You know, a widow is, you know, a woman that just doesn't have a husband, okay? So when thinking about the neocortex as Hiram Abiff, okay, the newer part of the brain, the older part of the brain is the R complex, the father. R complex is the father, the mother is the limbic system, and the son, the male child, is the neocortex. So, because the only way that the neocortex can be birthed and, you know, being balanced in equilibrium, that can only happen through the the R complex not being the dominator anymore you see so if the R complex is dominating then the father is uh is still quote unquote alive because it, it, the father will always be there but the the it's about understanding this symbolically because 
if the father is still ruling the whole brain, that means the whole brain is being ruled by the lower part, the R complex, base consciousness, okay, the survival part, the oldest part. So in order for the newer part of the brain to be birthed, the older part has to fall away, creating the virgin, the widow, okay, which then births the neocortex, which then f fires as equilibrium because the R complex falls away and is, is no longer dominating the higher part or the whole brain, I mean. Okay, so the whole brain now becomes balanced as the birth from the widow, from the virgin, being the, the sun, the light, the balance. Okay, so hopefully that makes sense. Now, the legend of the third degree is also called by way of excellence, which is basically the example of light, the exemplar. Okay, the mythical symbol of man that assists the student in the direction of source, which is, you know, the direction of light. Now, one thing to keep in mind about this legend or the word legend in this particular manner is Hiram Abiff is a mentor. He's a representation of truth and perfection. And the more we understand about this legend, then the more we're, we're going to really be able to understand the past legends or beings of light and truth, like Christ or Horus or Mithra or Adonis or Dionysus or Osiris. And the list goes on. Okay. So that's really important to pay attention to that connection. Okay. How they align. All right. And remember, the three ruffians were at every gate of light. They darken the path of light. They darken the east, they darken the south, and they darken the west gates, where the, you know, where the sun is seen from the north, okay? Being in the north hemisphere, right? So we have to think about that within ourselves, okay? So all these gates are blocked off, which symbolically becomes the death of Hiram Abiff. Now, at this time would be uh, good to understand why death to Hiram Abiff doesn't have to be the end, okay? He doesn't have to die completely buried in the grave of, you know, sins and human weakness, okay? Because, you know, we have to learn that this is about uh, understanding why we must raise the spirit. Okay. Now let's go to the slide that says aphanism. A-P-H-A-N-I-S-M. And this is where allegory in masonry teaches us the representation of death, which is called aphanism, which comes from the Greek to conceal. So, in each of the initiations of the ancient mysteries, there was a scenic representation of the death or disappearance of some god or hero whose adventures constituted the legend of the mystery. That part of the ceremony 
of initiation which related to and represented the death or disappearance was called the aphanism. And this is akin to the eschatology of the ancient mysteries, especially when we understand the eschatology dealing with final things and Osiris, okay? So it teaches or conveys to us the harsh lesson, the necessary lesson of death of the older material self. Not the physical being, okay? But of course, you know, the lesson would be incomplete if that were the case. You know, if everything just totally ended there, then, you know, we wouldn't get the spiritual lesson because that's what this is. It's a spiritual lesson. It's not a physical one, okay? So we can't take this literal. We have to understand it spiritual, spiritually. And if anyone can read the allegory and see it correctly, then the veil will be removed from the eyes and really a great evolutionary transformation can take place. It will take place if we understand this properly. So the mystery will no longer be a mystery. It will be known. It'll, it'll be a known inner science, an inner standing. Okay, this is about gnosis because you're going to go through this with knowledge and understanding and experience. That's what gnosis really is all about. So we have to remember that symbolically Hiram is akin to Christ and Horus and Osiris, which are akin to the path of the sun, the light, right? So the light rises where? It rises in the east. And where does it fall? Where does it go down? It goes down in the west. And then, of course, you know, we always hope that it rises in the east again, right? So it's a cycle. And when studying these archetypes, like Christ or Osiris or uh, Horus, it'll begin to make more sense internally and spiritually. And of course, you know, I'm talking about Hiram Abiff. Now, I want to get back to the uh, ruffians for a second, especially them blocking every gate off, okay, from light. So one thing that you'll see in many lodges, especially in the middle of the lodges, are three candlesticks in the middle, right right around the altar, right in the middle of the lodge that are surrounding the altar. And this has to do with this degree and this ritual, okay? So let's go to the slide that says the three candlesticks. So these candlesticks are typically in a triangular position. And this is really important to pay attention to because they symbolize the three directions of light from the direction of north. And they also are called the three lesser lights or symbolic lights of the lodge. So they represent the eastern, southern, and western lights of the lodge. And there's no light in the north because King Solomon's temple was situated so far north of the ecliptic of the earth 
that the sun and the moon's uh, rays of light couldn't reach it. They can't reach it. Okay. So the north is masonically termed a place of darkness. So, so that's really important to keep in mind. Okay. Each light represents the sun, the moon, and the master mason. So really keep that in mind, okay? Because this is really what's going to help us understand how to really see these degrees in order, okay? So they represent uh, sovereignty by mastering the day and the night, okay? So the three ruffians went to block off Hiram from these symbolic lights. So basically, kill these lights and maintain darkness, aka ignorance, and, you know, just no responsibility. Okay? Living in the lower self. Now, I'm not going to go too much further into these symbolic uh, candlesticks, but something interesting that I think has some uh, some importance to keep in mind is that the idea that during the day, the lodge being built with three windows allowing light in, uh, allowing light in the east window, the south window, and the west window, these were considered the fixed lights of the lodge. And then the north window there was no north window because the sun never shined on that side. Okay. And then the three fixed lights or windows are akin to the greater lights, which are the volume of the sacred uh, law, the, uh, the VSL book, and then the square and compass on top of the book. Okay. Because it's about letting light in through knowledge you know divine light okay and this is the place of the altar which is the center it's the heart it's the point of light that manifests which is the place of being raised it's about taking in knowledge you know knowledge of self and then coming to an understanding of that knowledge and then being able to speak and share wisdom, okay? So it's the trivium. And what's really even more interesting is the north side of the lodge was built on the south side of the church, okay? And so we have to understand this literally and spiritually, okay? But in this context, let's just think about it spiritually, okay? I mean, you know, obviously if you see a lodge and you see a church next to it, look for yourself and see if the church is built on the north side of the lodge, okay? But then try to understand that is a spiritual representation, so we have to think about this symbolically. The church can be looked at as the holy of holies of the mind, right? And to have the lodge on its south side 
where it has the ability, you know, to take in light through all three windows is symbolic of having the ability to heal the church through knowledge of self. Okay? Because it's been destroyed. It needs to be healed. Right? I mean, look all through the world. You'll see that the church is in really bad shape. You know, as a manifested thing from the mind. Because everything starts in the mind. So if we heal ourselves in the mind, then we're going to heal what is outwardly, what has manifested. Okay, we're going to heal our we're going to manifest our healing as we heal we so does the world okay so it's about you know healing the ch- the church through knowledge of self and understanding and wisdom because healing the self is healing the lodge and healing the lodge is healing the church okay it's all connected it's all inward okay so let me be clear i'm talking about the internal temple the inward self. I'm not speaking literally, okay? I'm speaking symbolically, okay? And that's really important that we stay clear on that because, you know, this isn't, this is all an inward journey, okay? And one other thing uh, that's important that I want to make mention about these three symbolic lesser lights or candlesticks is that they all represent they all three represent the sun the moon and the master mason i know i already said that but something that's really important to keep in mind is that the sun represents the beginning and end of the day which is about ruling the day right and then the right candle represents the moon especially the east side of the moon so you'll see in any tracing board that the moon the moon's light is the reflected crescent of the light of the all-seeing eye so the all all-seeing eye's light is reflecting off the crescent of the moon okay so this is about ruling the night okay so then the third candle represents the master mason who you know, rules the whole lodge with equipoise, in equilibrium. It's about sovereignty and mastering the day and the night. You know, masculine and feminine. And this is part of understanding the light eye of Horus as well, and the dark eye of Set. And, you know, take it even further, this is about understanding the double-headed axe, the double horizon. And the correspondence of the candles to the windows, or three lesser lights to the three greater lights, is also about maintaining the light in the dark and never letting darkness settle in or completely take over, you know, to not live in ignorance to not live in the lower part, okay? So now let's go to the slide that says for progeny and posterity. And just as a candle's light eventually goes out or burns out, so does eventually one's 
physical life on earth, but because we don't lose anything by lighting others' wicks or sharing light with others, then this symbolically is about passing on an internal flame of wisdom for progeny and posterity. It's about doing what is right because it is right. It's about leaving this world or lodge in a better shape than when you arrived. We, if we really care, we have to put this information out for the future generations. Okay? Or else they're not going to have a chance. You know, and the more that we do this, the more that we take this work serious and really put it out there in in the best way that we can, you know, then we're not holding, we're not withholding knowledge from them. We're giving them knowledge. We're putting it right in front of them, which takes away their ability to say, how was I supposed to know? And that is true love. Okay, that's agape, love. So it's about understanding the three pillars being the masculine sun pillar, the feminine moon pillar, and then, you know, the middle pillar, which is the wisdom pillar. Um, that is the master mason. Okay. These are the three lights corresponding to the three windows and the three candlesticks. And a really good book that illustrates these candlesticks and their positions is called The Symbolic Lights. And I'll leave a uh, link in the description with the uh, PDF. It's a really helpful book. Now I'm going to cover some more important points about this legend, Hiram Abiff allegory. But again, you'll need to really take it upon yourself to go read this story for yourself. Okay, it's not too long and you can find a lot of different versions on the internet and uh I'll even put one in the in the description if you'd like to check it out, okay? Because it's really important that we understand the story so that way we can really understand the breakdown of the allegory, okay? Now, when thinking about the death of Hiram Abiff, being that, you know, he was violently struck in the middle of the forehead between his two eyes by the third ruffian named Jubalum, uh, who hit him in the middle of the head with a setting maul at the east gate where he tried, where Hiram Abiff tried to escape, this translates to being hit with ignorance right in the place of internal sight being the place of thought, the, the place of intelligence, the third eye, you know, right between the two brain hemispheres. That's where the third eye is. That's where it sits. Okay. So it's death by ignorance or, or I would say death to the soul and spirit by ignorance. Also think about that name setting mall. You have the name setting like the the god set or the the sun setting right the sunset and then the word maul m a u l maul you know which can mean you know wounded of an animal to be mauled by an animal 
right? So to, so to be mauled by the lower self, the lower animal part, ignorance, low light, right? You could look at it that way. And it's in the east, you know, the place of the rising light, the rising sun, right? So Hiram being struck in the head, he fell to the floor and it, apparently he's dead. And he was taken to be buried in the West. And this is about Westing. Think about that. Westing, the light going down, the sun going down in the West, down in the dark, right? Now let's go to the third degree tracing board with the casket. And looking at the third degree tracing board, you'll see the setting mall under the floor of the egress, which is where the ruffian waited to make sure he didn't rise because it's in the east direction, right? So if you look at that door, if you look really close at the uh, middle of the casket and you look at that little red curtain, it looks like a curtain, but if you look closer, it's a door, okay? So this is about coming out into the east because as you rise from the casket, you're going in the east direction, right? So this is about coming out of the middle. And that's very, very significant, all right? Now in the ritual, one of the ruffians yelled out, what shall we do? We have killed our grand master, Hiram Abiff. You know, they're saying we killed the light. <laughs> we killed the spirit. And then another answer is, let us carry him out of the east gate and bury him in the rubbish till 12 till low 12 and then meet and carry him a westerly course and bury him okay and low 12 is the lower 12 hours in a 24 hour day being the pit of night as well as uh it represents the winter solstice being the lowest place of the zodiac or death. Okay, think about that. Death of the soul or solar sun. Hiram Abiff. Or, you know, death of the lower self. Okay. So King Solomon sent out 12 fellow craft masons from the temple to find the light, to find. Hiram Abiff. And he also sent them out to find the three ruffians. Okay. So he sent them spread out in all four directions three east, three south, three west, and three north. And the ones who went in the, the western direction, they stumbled into what's known as one of the most interesting symbols in esoteric Freemasonry, which is the sprig of acacia, the emblem of a newly made 
grave. That's really, really important to pay very close attention to. The newly made grave. Okay. So the way I understand this is it's about discovering hope in a truly spiritual uh, awakening. And I'll further explain what I mean by this. But just pay attention to that little green sprig of acacia. Okay, and also just think of the word uh, sprig. Um, It actually can mean spring, and spring is green, right? So just think about that. And this little green plant is, it's intimately rooted in the third degree. Think about that. It's rooted in the third degree. And if I didn't uh if I didn't mention it earlier, this is Josea Bowring's third degree trestle board, by the way. Now there's a lot that can be revealed in this image, just as there's a lot that can be revealed in all of these trestle boards. But you know, don't be fooled and think that just because you see less symbol that that somehow means there's less knowledge. It's actually quite the opposite when you really understand what is preserved in this degree, okay, in this image. This is a library that you're looking at right here. This is a very important library, okay? Now, as you see at the top, there's a sprig of acacia at the head or the west side of the casket. And this symbolic green plant represents innocence, immortality initiation, and resurrection, especially. But of course, there's a symbolic explanation for all of these things, okay? So just keep in mind that green is associated with balance, okay? And I've explained this a lot, especially with understanding green language and heart-based intelligence. So it, it it's associated with the heart in a positive aspect. It's associated with care. So when it comes to the immortality of the soul, this is about coming to the understanding that as the body is corruptible, as the material world is corruptible or destructible, then the soul will basically survive the grave because it's immortal. That's the idea. And so this evergreen sprig of acacia is an emblem of the faith as you know this idea it's a reminder it's a it's evergreen it's forever green so as the soul is in a you know green middle frequency equilibrium so shall it go beyond the grave that's the idea so it's a symbol of a past on life to be past to pass on. You know, when someone dies, they pass on, right? So it's about being passed on. This is a spiritual lesson to be passed. And the ancients, they believed the acacia to be the only evergreen to be incorruptible or that it can't be, you know, negatively affected by any type of, you know, injury to you know, from attacks or insects or other animals. So it's resistant to those things. 
and it became a symbol for incorruptible nature of the soul. So this is about rising out from the dead here and now. It's about aligning to natural law, which is which means a realignment to nature, you know, give to nature and nature will give to you. That's a quote from mother herself. My mother actually. Her book uh give to nature nature will give to you. That was show number 7. And believe me, acting on the square is about giving to nature. You know, being moral is about giving to nature. And that sprig of acacia helps us understand that we have the ability to choose right behavior over wrong behavior. And if anyone actually acts, if they behave on the square, if they act rightly or morally, then nature herself recognizes the innocence or moral behavior, which is also about what this sprig of acacia is about symbolically. Okay, this is what it represents to be innocent of sin. So just as we understand innocence of a newborn baby human being who doesn't, you know, know or can't understand right from wrong right away, they are innocent following their first birth. Okay? So we have our physical birth, which is our first birth, right? Now the innocence in the case of being reborn in adult spiritual form, this means free from sin, free from transgressions of natural law, that as one is truly aligned to nature, to their you know best abilities, there will be reward for being truly raised, to, for being truly aligned, for, you know, being moral but that that reward truly will be the aid of nature for those who truly care this is the law of karma that's how karma works so this whole third degree is about resurrecting care through moral behavior through moral action and the spirit is the sacred feminine or the, the care which has been buried. It's been lost. It's been lost collectively for thousands and probably even 100,000 years. But we individually have the ability to raise or find care, to raise the spirit and find care. Okay, so it needs to be resurrected. Care needs to be resurrected. That's what this is all about. It's about resurrecting care. It's about entering as an entered apprentice. And now it's about raising or being raised from the interred or grave or mummy or material self. You know, raising above the inter, raising out of the inter, out of the grave, out of the tomb of the self, the lower self, raising care from the tomb, 
you know, raising care from the casket as light, to be the light, to be the care. That's what this is about. It's also known as being raised to sublime. And sublime means higher spiritual, moral, or, you know, intellectual worth. So the sprig of acacia is an evergreen. And green has always been a symbol of hope. And why is that? It's because it's akin to the hope that we have that there's going to be some kind of replenishment of, you know, a life-giving spring and summer that follow winter, right? And in all the ancient mysteries, this idea was recognized and green was a symbol of the birth of the world. So it was the symbol of moral creation. It's the symbol of resurrection of the initiate. To be resurrected with spirit. To be resurrected in green. You know, to be, to have heart-based intelligence. That's why the, the initiate in the middle of the first degree on the ladder holding the key is she's wearing green and she represents hope. Think about it. Think about all the initiates on the ladder. The first initiate represents faith. The middle initiate represents hope. And the third initiate at the top represents charity. Okay? So she represents hope. So this is about, you know, the hope that spring will return. That there will be a rebirth of spring. That there will be a rebirth of replenishment of food. And if we really think about this as an alignment spiritually, then we can really see the real authentic beauty, the real magic, okay? Because it's all about aligning to nature. And to align to nature is not a material thing. It's not, it's not something you can only do materially, okay? It has to be understanding that we have to rise above the material to come back to nature, to realign to nature, to not be so destructive in the lower self, the lower animal part. So in the third degree, the acacia evergreen is emblematic of a new creation of the body as a moral and physical one, okay? And this still rings true today. This is a timeless lesson, okay? So the widow's son is a spirit that we all have the ability to align to or resurrect from within, from within the self. And this spirit is nature herself. It's balance. Nature is balanced. And we have the ability to align to the green nature, physically and spiritually. Okay, so the word acacia 
is something that we also really need to understand, okay, where it comes from. And it comes from the Greek word ake, A-K-E. And this means thorn or point. And this is related to the spire and point within the circle, which is something I'm going to really deeply get into in the next few episodes, okay? But just remember that this is how we understand spirituality better, okay? It's a reconnection. It's not just a rebirth and rejuvenation. It's a reconnection, okay? It's a rememberment to remember who we truly are. Because remember, I said uh, the number three or the essence of the three is spiritual in its nature. All things that come in threes are spiritual. All things three are spiritual. All things that truly matter anyway. Okay? And we can know this through understanding the trivium process. Okay? It's a completion of the trivium process. Think about this. Think about the sun going down in the fall, right? Like a like a download. The sun's going the sun is in the day sky and it's going down into the dark, the sunset. So it's a download of information or light. You know, a sunset as think about the modern version of the trivium, the input, right? So that's the input. The sun going down is a download or input. And then processing that input down in the underworld, you know, gathering an understanding within and below down in the underworld to come to an understanding in the darkness you know, with that light in the darkness and then rising up, you know, learning the darkness and then rising up or springing up at sunrise as an upload of light, bringing light, you know, the output, right? So going inward in search for light and then finding and internally processing the light being the dark, you know, processing what we learn in the dark, the darker aspects of ourselves, which really is, you know, that's about understanding the heart of darkness. And then the output would be the egress, you know, it's, it's to come out and let the light shine, to give light to the world, including the self. You know, and I was kind of using a little bit of computer jargon to explain that, but it's kind of the same thing you know, but that's how we have to do the thinking. Okay, this is how we have to do the thinking, because it's about understanding the trivium process associated with the the day and night sky. That is a reflection of our consciousness, and our journey of the soul. And it's also uh, a reflection of the sun going through all the houses of the zodiac 
of the year, the annual cycle, you know, going through from fall down into winter, into spring, up into summer. You know, it's all connected for a reason. And to be human, we have the ability to make these connections and see how really connected we truly are. So this whole third degree is spiritual. It's a spiritual rejuvenation. All three degrees together are spiritual. Three is the Holy Trinity. And it's always been associated with resurrection, this number three, in ancient societies and ancient traditions. Okay? And this is what the initiation aspect of the acacia is all about. Okay? It is symbolic of the resurrection to a future life and the immortality of the soul. It's about being initiated to the ritual itself. So it's about becoming conscious of the whole ritual because it's really timeless. You know, when you really understand it in its pure form, right? So that's why we have to study these legends side by side and see their similar science so we can really see the timeless beautiful sacred science the occult science within within ourselves also the acacia is rooted it has its roots in africa literally that's where it comes from and also just think about why this third degree tracing board is dark. Okay? Why is this third degree part dark compared to the other two? Think about that. It's darker. So when you think of the word alchemy, the word alchemy comes from chem, K-H-E-M, which means out of darkness. And chem is part of Kemet. Kemet is actually the real name for Egypt. And Kemet means black land. Okay? This is Egypt. It's about coming out of the grave and being raised out from black or darkness. So the third degree is symbolically about coming out of the dark land and raising towards light. From below the floor in the dark to going up and east. Raising in consciousness is always about going up and in. Okay, think about that. So let's go to the next slide, the snakes slide. Okay. And again, in Africa, there are two different types of hooded cobras that look alike. And of course, as you see in this image, these, these two don't really look alike. But it was really hard to find any images of uh, especially this false African hooded Malpalone, uh cobra. Okay? But the true African hooded cobra 
and all the other, most of the other cobras in Africa, they're all venomous, they're all deadly, and, you know, if you get bit by any of these cobras, it could definitely be fatal. And there's a, on the right, you'll see this hooded malpalone or false hooded cobra that spreads its neck and it rises and it hisses like a true venomous cobra. But it's not a true venomous cobra. It's false. It's a false hood. And not knowing the difference between these types of cobras could mean the difference between life and death. Think about that. Life and death. And I've heard other researchers make the claim that this is where we get the idea truth from falsehood, which I'd have to agree with. So keep this idea of falsehood in mind. You know, not, o- not only with life and death and truth and dogma, but also the hoods of the ancient Egyptian figures or archetypes or pharaohs. Now, in the ritual of Hiram Abiff being in the coffin, let's look at, we're going to go back, we're going to go to uh, Josea Bowring's Hiram Abiff tracing board, okay, where Hiram Abiff is in the casket, okay? He's in the coffin, right? So this is the place of choice. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make sense of how this is connected with the Cobras, but I wanted to make sure that I mention the Cobras before getting into this part, okay? So Hiram Abiff is in the coffin, right? He's dead, obviously, in the coffin. He's not awake. He's not alive. So this is the place of choice, to remain in the coffin, which means death, or to raise up out of the coffin, which means life, right? So think about what I said about the snakes between life and death, okay? So now looking at the head in that shape of the coffin with Hiram Abiff's head in the middle, what do we see? He's hooded, right? So Hiram in the casket not raised means death. It means in the west, westing, right? So I would postulate that Hiram, as the spirit being left in the casket, represents falsehood, to be buried in falsehood. So the light or truth is buried in falsehood or sin or darkness, you know, not raised. But to be raised means truth from falsehood. To understand truth from falsehood. To understand Hiram Abiff raised from being in the casket. And this is also about understanding light from dark. It's alchemy. That's true education. To learn truth from falsehood. So it's light from dark, west to east in direction. You know, the head is going from the west direction 
being dead to, or, you know, death, raising out of the casket towards the east. So now let's go to the mysteries of the hood slide. So another hooded figure that I really think needs to be highlighted at this point is the Sphinx, which is the mythical creature with the head of a human with a, uh, with a hood. And then he has the body of a lion and the wings of an eagle. And of course, as we know, the great Sphinx of Giza is wingless, at least now. Okay, so the Sphinx symbolizes man and consciousness. And part of the mystery of the Sphinx is how it symbolically stands for the body of man and how it must be passed in order to become developed or evolved. Also, also when we look at the card called the Wheel of Fortune from the tarot deck, we'll see this sphinx on the wheel surrounded by four fixed signs that generate or make up this symbol known as the sphinx, which are the Taurus, Tor the Taurus, the bull, Leo, the lion, Scorpio, the eagle, and Aquarius, the man, which is the human head. Okay. So the great sphinx is really the zodiac, the zodiac. The zodiac figure that combines the heavens and the earth through the science of the houses and the solar path. The solar path being the path of the sun. And the great sphinx also faces the east towards the rising sun. And this is why it's important to have a deep understanding of astrotheology before arriving at the pyramids because this great sphinx is the gateway to higher learning. The Sphinx is a symbol of mastering lower animal desires in order to evolve into a higher type. And this is because this is a great symbolic unveiling with this hooded being, this ancient hooded being. It's a type of spiritual riddle. Now, remember, in uh, a few shows ago, I shared the occult anatomy information of the sacrum bone, the sacrum bone, which is positioned, uh, I put a picture of it positioned in the lower right-hand side of this picture. And this sacrum bone is the symbolic place of the underworld or the lower animal part, right? So I talked about the grave digger's spade, which is a long shovel that symbolizes the spine column and the sacrum bone, which symbolically digs the grave of lower passions and lower emotions in order to unearth the soul of the fallen temple, because this is the, the place of death. The spade the, you know, the, the part of the shovel that digs, this is the spade symbol. The spade symbol represents death. And to stay rooted and stagnated in this area, you know, the red root chakra area, this is the place of spiritual death, you know, base desires. To stay there is to die. 
okay, spiritually. Now, the true sacred secret of this sacrum bone is understood when it is inverted or the form is flipped upside down, right? So inverting the sacrum upside down now becomes what? Think about it. It becomes the head of this, the great sphinx. So the false hood is the sacrum shape down in this context because it represents the place of death, especially in this ritual, okay? Not literal, okay? So it represents spiritual death. So flipping it up as the human head of the great sphinx represents raising above the animal parts. So this is about spiritual rebirth. So this answers the riddle of the great sphinx, you know, being devoured by the great sphinx. If someone can't answer the riddle correctly, because the sphinx inverted is the lower passions, which will devour anyone who stays ignorant or stagnant. Okay, so do yourself a favor, go look at the riddle of the great sphinx. And then think about what I'm saying. Now, the think about the actual underground passage from the sphinx to the pyramids. Think about this symbolically, what it's really saying. Because it's about as one goes down in the lower self, the underworld, and masters the lower animal parts, then one can pass, you know, have access to Shambhala, the sacred place you know, the, the sacred holy place, the holy of holies, you know, to, to pass to the sacred knowledge of the pyramids. Because that passage that goes from the Sphinx is, you know, going from the Sphinx underground to the pyramids, that's symbolic of going from the lower self to the higher self. Because those three pyramids represent equilibrium. They represent the sacred feminine, the sacred masculine, and the master mason. The seven in between. Okay? So this is the holy of holies, raised in the third degree, raised from the grave, to light, to balance, overcoming the three ruffians. Okay. And when we study the zodiac through the lens of astrotheology and astronomy and astrology and really understand the sign language that's distilled in the constellations, you know, in the path of the sun, then we can further understand this symbol, the great sphinx, and we can understand its correspondence to human consciousness. Okay, that's why it's important that we study astrotheology before getting into Freemasonry, in my opinion. Okay, I know that it has really helped me to understand astrotheology before arriving 
to the mystery traditions before arriving to Freemasonry or Kabbalah or tarot or, you know, any of these esoteric traditions. Okay. I'm going to go to the Manly P. Hall slide. He says, for those who have the eyes to see, nothing is concealed. To those who have the right to know, all things are open books. And of course, we all have the right to know. So therefore, if we want to know, nature, the universe, is always giving us the answer if we're there to if we have the eyes to see if we have our eyes open nothing's concealed nothing is truly hidden the occult is not truly hidden if we have our oculus on our eye on you know to allow the light in now another symbol that needs to be understood by this similar inversion of the sacrum or the sacred sacrum bone is the Masonic keystone. Okay. The, the keystone is that middle piece between the two curving pillars that create the arch, right? So whenever you see an arch and you see that little keystone right in the middle, that's, that's what this is about. Okay. And of course, you can see it in the mysteries of the hood slide. The keystone is right in the middle at the top. Okay. So, this keystone is very important to understand the legend of Hiram Abiff because he is the chief architect, the architect who constructed the Temple of Solomon. Right. So, it's because of his loyalty to, you know, not hand over the secrets of Freemasonry to the three ruffians that generate this keystone symbol in the middle, right? So it's a symbol of loyalty. It's a symbol of loyalty to the self, to be honest, you know? And this has a very, very deep meaning within it, okay? A very personal meaning within it. And I believe anyone who has made it this far should understand to a high enough degree what this really, really means. Because it really is about marrying, having that internal wedding between the sacred feminine and the sacred masculine to generate that action, that uh, equilibrium, the wisdom. You know, to be able to speak and, and, you know, really put forward this type of information. Now, on the keystone, we see the letters H-T-W-S-S-T-K-S, which are the letters that are encompassing the circle, which is an acronym. And it stands for Hiram, the widow's son, sent to King Solomon. Okay, so just remember what I was talking about with the brain, the triune brain, the three-in-one brain. Okay, and this means the spirit has raised 
It's about understanding high ram above. It's about understanding royal arch masonry. Okay, it's about going in the east direction. It's about going, it's about raising into the neocortex, having both hemispheres firing in balance in unison. So this is also a symbol of the order of Mark Master Masons, which is about conveying moral lessons through allegory. You know, teaching the moral lessons of the spiritual legends, such as Hiram Abiff, uh, who is akin to Christ, who is akin to Horus, who is alike or akin to Osiris. So speaking of these legends and the pyramid, I think it's important to point out something very interesting with the idea of the 12 fellowcraft, the 12 fellowcraft masons that were sent out by King Solomon in all four directions to find the light, to find Hiram Abiff, the central light. Think about that. So something that uh, Doug had brought to my attention is this idea of Osiris being associated with the number five in the stellar and on into the solar mythos, especially in the beginning phases of the solar mythos. And this being related to the five extra days of a 365 day year. Okay, so let's go to the slide that says Osiris with the circle and the X or the circle with the cross, okay? This is about understanding the four seasons and the five points, okay? Because there's only 360 degrees in a complete circle, right? In the circle or zodiac wheel being the eye of Horus or the eye of, of Osiris, we find an X or cross within the circle with you know four points or four cardinal points on the circle equidistant from each other and the point at which the two lines cross this is significant because it is how we arrive at the center okay so we need those two lines to arrive at the central point so that's five points all together, right? It's a pie chart or, you know, four equal parts. So four seasons with a central light in the middle, right? Now, remember, I said that the, this zodiac wheel is Osiris, the green language, you know, Osiris. It's about understanding Solomon's temple because the pyramids of Giza are the greatest man-made temple made by man or made by hand. But Solomon's temple is truly the universe. Solomon's temple isn't an actual temple created with the hands or, you know, noisy tools. So this is a correspondence. Okay, that's what the pyramids can help us do. They help us correspond, right? They're a symbol. They're, they're, they're a reflection of the self. 
Freemasonry, especially esoteric Freemasonry, is the way that we're really going to understand this. Okay, there's other ways to understand those great pyramids, but I would argue without Freemasonry, you're really going to have a very tough time understanding these pyramids. Okay, because Freemasonry really is the ancient Egyptian science. Okay, when you really understand it at its pure form. So really, I'm just, I'm making the statement, you're not going to be able to understand these pyramids without understanding esoteric Freemasonry. It's just not possible. So we have to be honest with ourselves. And I know it's hard because we have to get over the ego and we have to, you know, know that there are people who are speaking the truth and we know we have to know how to get to that. And as I've said many times, natural law is the crux of why we go all the way in search for truth. So if we don't have the knowledge of natural law, then we're not seeing the crux. We don't understand the crux. Natural law is the crux. This is why most people don't go all the way in search for truth because they don't have the crux. Natural law. They don't have God's law. They don't have universal law. They don't have the understanding of karmic law. They don't have the understanding of the law of one. It's all the same thing. So we really have to teach natural law. We have to get this out to people more if we want to understand these pyramids more. If we want to understand them more so we don't have people making these broad claims that <laughs> if we only knew the secret teachings of the Great Pyramids, it's like, well, we do have quite a bit of those secret teachings. They're just told in different ways and they're expressed a little different, but we, you know, the essence is there. The concept is there. We just have to know where to look. So let's go to the slide that says Solomon's temple. Okay. With the, uh, with the square in the middle and the, um, the four triangles around the square. So when King Solomon sends out 12 fellow craft masons divided in four, meaning four directions, which is three west, three south, three east, and three north. So the triangles representing the three, right? We can look at this as the unfoldment of the pyramid, right? So all four directions make up what? 360 degrees. Think about it. So if we look from the bird's eye view and we unfold the pyramid as, you know, four outward pointing triangles from the square, we now have a 360 degree pointer map of west, south, east, and north. All together make up 360 degrees. Right? 
And there's 12 lines all together. That's very significant. So four triangles of three lines each. And so all four directions equate to all four directions and seasons as a 360 degree cycle. Yet there are five extra days in a year. And these five extra days represent the family of Osiris in the Egyptian year. The five family members or children of the Egyptian deities Nut and Jeb are Osiris, Horus, Set, Isis, and Nephthys, all in that order. So each one of these gods of this family, of these five in this family, have individual birthdays representing the five extra days of the year, right? And this was the four divisions and the central light of the cross, or X being the sun, which represents fire in the middle and fully raised, okay? Pyramid, pyramid, okay? So the Egyptian year was divided into 12 months of 30 days each. And each year was cut five days short of an astronomical year. So five days were added to the year, which were called the epigominal days. Or they were called the days out of time. And this is about understanding the Egyptian solar year cycle because it's dealing with the 12 greater mysteries. So again, you know, 12 is always associated with solar. It's always associated with the solar mythos or the solar cult. Okay. So it's about understanding that Osiris is the science or the representation of final things, the eschatology that's found in the ancient Egyptian stellar and especially the beginnings of the solar mythos, okay? Because as we go outward in all four corners of the earth, 360 degrees, to look for truth, then we eventually realize and discover the central light. So this is the same concept with King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, okay? Because, you know, it's about the light in the middle being truth. It's a central light. So remember, Osiris's body is cut up in 14 pieces by his brother Set, who scattered his body parts throughout the earth or throughout the land, however you want to word that. So 14, the, the, the number 14 is reduced to five. So there's that five number again, okay? So the five also represents commencement and recommencement. The five days that follow the year cycle and the five, they're also the five days before the new cycle begins, the commencement, okay? So the time of the ending and beginning of a cycle. It's about understanding the 
mythology and the eschatology as an annual cycle. And it's also the idea of what's known as the Ka, which is about passing on from one form to being raised into the next form. So it's about the rebirth of the spirit. Also think of, you know, the uh, gematria reduction here. You have, think about the 360, 360 degrees. What's that reduced to? Nine, right? And nine plus five, the five extra days equals what? 14. The amount of pieces scattered throughout the land, right? So I'm telling you, it all corresponds. We have to be able to see that. We have to be able to understand that, okay? Because it's about re reduction. We have to understand that reduction means getting back to pure forms. So it's about understanding that nine and that five, you know, added together, 360 degrees, 360 plus five. Okay, five is already reduced. It's already pure. So 360 degrees, 360 reduced to a pure form is nine. Nine plus five is 14. Okay. So also think about 360 days plus five with that plus, the plus. Okay. So the plus sign is five points. It's the cross. It's five points for a reason, okay? It is the crux. It's where the vertical spirit energy force crosses the horizontal matter force, creating the cross or the X, where they meet in the middle, okay? It's an addition symbol, or it can be a times symbol as well, or a multiplication symbol. Okay, which is about movement. Okay, so we have to understand that too. But this plus symbol is also about marriage. So the addition of five to 360 is, is about addition to add the five to the 360. So it takes two lines crossed to find the fifth point. So the cross creates four divisions, being fall, winter, spring, and summer. Okay? They're all added together with one symbol, the cross. So it's a 360-degree full spectrum of an annual cycle. Also, five is the number of the second degree which stands for the middle, stands for the heart, the middle fire, the pyramid, pyramid, fire in the middle, the middle chamber. Okay? And another thing uh, to correspond to this five and pyramid that I find very, very interesting is the number five is the symbol of man. Right? So two legs, two arms, and a head, right? 
And the head is akin to the brain, which governs the, the arms and legs, the four. So the four corners of the pyramid symbolizes the arms and the legs. And then the fifth point, or the apex, is the middle, which represents the brain. So the rational apex brain controls the four irrational corners, being the legs and arms, which are the hands and feet. And this all corresponds to the five elements as well. Okay, so the arms or hands represent fire and air. And then the two feet are earth and water. And then the brain represents the fifth element being ether or spirit. So just think about a cross with a body on it. Okay, like, like Christ, like Jesus. Okay, two feet down, two arms out, and the head is in the middle. You know, the cross of the zodiac. So there's so much more to this, and I'm sure we will continue to flesh this out a lot further as we go, but it's important to show its correspondence here, okay, as much as we can. Now, this all relates to what I was saying before about the four angles or four angels that support the the raising of the midpoint of the cross being you know the cross of Christ and the midpoint is the the midpoint of the pyramid where all four triangles meet right and the four angles or the four angels especially from the Bible, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who gave their angles as support to Christ, to Christ's consciousness. Okay, that's why they're angels. They're even Eve angels, right? Because they are the triangles that rise that midpoint in the middle. Now, this this midpoint can't be raised if the student stays in the coffin or tomb, okay? If the student makes it this far and kills the spirit, then the student is no longer a student. And spiritually, they're going to, you know, repeat this life over again, okay? That's the idea. So the end will most indefinitely be the same with lots of suffering as the result, because death is stagnation. It's devolution, okay? There's no growth. It's the opposite of growth. It's the opposite of expansion of consciousness, okay? Now, some great movies that depict this idea, I think, is uh, Live, Die, Repeat, which originally was The Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise, and then Groundhog Day, and then Palm Springs. And I really like Palm Springs. It's really different and interesting. I mean, they're all, they're all very interesting, uh, but they're all saying basically the same thing. You know, that you're, gonna re- you're just going to keep repeating what's going to, you know, keep happening if we don't get this right, <laughs> if we don't raise the spirit, if we don't find the care. 
So the third degree or the coffin symbol is a, it's a type of caution or warning to say that if you've made it this far, if you made it to this point or this degree in life and just give up, it's like playing with fire. You're eventually going to get burned, especially spiritually. You know, think about that for a second, you know, in terms of light as truth. Just think about the symbolic burns of each degree. You know, you have the first degree, you have the second degree, and the third degree. So each one gets more and more of a burn, right? It's like, it's like you're getting more and more tan. <laughs> you're getting more and more light. You're getting more and more of a burn as you go because the truth gets harsher and harsher. You know, there's no mistake. And why it's like that. You know, just to give some examples of what staying in the grave or staying in the coffin truly means, okay? It really is about maintaining immoral behavior and beliefs in immoral systems. That's really what it's all about. You know, the belief in man as authority or government. You know, because it's about understanding that we stay in the grave because we are a slave. To stay in the grave means one is a slave. And to, to be a slave means to worship man, man's law as authority. You know, to worship government, to keep government in place, to support government. You know, working for any institution that has a destructive, immoral behavior that's part of government or part of any system, you know, that is what staying in the grave is about. It's about immoral behavior. It's about not having the knowledge and understanding of natural law and living in accordance to natural law, you know. To not know the principles of enlightenment being self-defense and non-aggression. This is about remaining in the grave. You know, to not know how to say no to evil. To not know how to defend the self. And to not know why you must defend yourself. And to not aggress upon others. You know, the non-aggression principle to not violate someone else's rights. Okay? Because if we're violating someone else's rights, that means we're still in the grave. That's, that means someone is still in the grave. Okay? I'm talking collectively or individually. I'm, I'm talking about them both together. Okay? So we have to understand that. And that goes for sentient beings. You know, uh, we can't violate their rights, okay? They have just as much of a right to be free on this planet as we do, as a human being does, okay? So we can't violate their rights, okay? It's just we have the ability to understand what a right is, okay? And most people don't know what a right is. Most people don't know what a wrongdoing is. And that's the problem with the whole world. You know, people don't have this knowledge. 
because it's been hidden, but now it's out in the open. People are just ignoring it because they don't want the responsibility. It's because the ruffians have have killed their light, have killed their Hiram Abiff. They need to raise, they have to find that care. Most people have not found their care to teach this information. But, you know, staying in the grave is also about maintaining the belief in some kind of political solution to to the human condition or slavery. You know, thinking that voting is somehow going to help make things better in our world. You know, because that's actually, you know, done anything positive for us uh, in the past you know, however many years that we've been voting, you know, where has it really done anything good? You know, it's always become tyrannical all through history. As we vote, you know, and push our views on others, it's never been good. It's just, it's all about, you know, this very low form of consciousness very base level form of consciousness where people have this ego about them where they feel that they have to push their views on their fellow brothers and sisters just because their views uh because they want other people to live by how they want to live how they see fit okay this is a very low form of consciousness that's not what we want to do. We want to raise in consciousness. We want to be light in this world, which is love. That's what true love is, is to raise the self, you know, to raise the self out of the grave. You know, staying in the grave means remaining a slave and therefore willfully holding collective slavery firmly in place because it's about understanding that as we change, so does the whole world. Or as one suffers, the whole world suffers. Okay? As one suffers, the whole world suffers. So if you want to be free, and you are freeing yourself, you are freeing the whole world. Okay? To some degree. But if you're staying a slave, you're willfully choosing to generate more slavery in the world. That's how much power we each have, and we have to remember that. But that's why it's not a right to be a slave in the first place. And, you know, uh, bill worship, you know, money worship is about remaining in the grave. Okay, you know, giving all your time to money and thinking about money. If you're thinking about money, if someone's thinking about money more than they are thinking about freedom, then they're still in the grave. I understand we have to kind of think about money in this day and age because we have to try to figure out a way to survive and, uh, you know, find a way to get this work out there. And, you know, if we don't have the, the funds to have a roof and some clothes and food, it becomes very difficult. 
but we all we have to do is change our mindset to give more time to ourselves aka give more time to the creator give more time to nature you know give to nature and nature will give to you cuz that's the point right so we have to divide our day better we can be better by dividing our day better being more tenacious in how we put more time into ourselves with this knowledge so that way we can heal ourselves so that way we, we can heal the lodge so that way we can heal the church of of the universe okay the universal church okay that's what this is about so basically any type of behavior that robs others freedoms or supports anyone else's rights being violated you know or willfully allows it to to the self that's about remaining in the grave and that's a hard pill to swallow okay but it's a it's love it's true love it's a high form of love it's agape so we really have to understand this that's what this uh, casket is all about and we have the ability to raise out of that lower self that casket that tomb that darkness we have that ability and it's through the knowledge you know being initiated that's one of the parts of the acacia the sprig of acacia to be initiated because to be initiated means uh, with the sprig of acacia, it means to be initiated to this ritual so that way we understand ourselves better. You know, there's a lot to it, but I'm going to continue talking about this more in the next show. So definitely stay tuned for that. And also, if you really want to understand these three degrees better and understand this idea of the journey of the soul better, I definitely recommend watching the film The Lion King, Oblivion with Tom Cruise, uh, Black Panther, the Marvel movie, Apocalypse Now. That's a really, really deep one with lots of symbolism. And the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the four Matrix movies, Vanilla Sky, Gods of Egypt. That's a great one. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, another great one. Um, these are all really awesome movies, and there's a lot more that express this whole allegorical ritual of the hero's journey or the, you know, the journey of the soul. And I think that if we watch those, it can really inspire us to want to understand the, the science of it a lot further, okay? The, which is what I'm sharing. It is the mysteries the secret mysteries or the secret teachings of the uh, pyramids. It really is. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And if you're interested for more shows and presentations or news, please go to cubbyhole.com. Also make sure to check out my new video show, Outcasting, where I do short episodes explaining many different critical topics uh, more simplified and more refined 
And uh, I'm actually not going to be on there too much the rest of the year just because I'm really focusing on this Cubbyhole podcast. So, uh, but you know, there's 25 episodes if you'd like to check that out. And I, I think it's, it's a good show to, you know, basically where I go into this information, uh, especially earlier information, more, more refined and more simplified. And I think it really does help us understand this information a lot further because it's, it's video and people like video more, uh, sometimes, but, um, you know, I don't know. I still don't know if I'm going to do the cubby hole in video format, but maybe eventually, but I I do like it as this podcast classroom where you got to click on everything yourself to go to the slides and really look at it for yourself and really push yourself to know this information instead of me just putting all the information up on video. And, um, you know, I just have my reasons why I think it works the way that it does. Uh, Either way, if you're hungry for the knowledge, you're going to go for it. And, you know, that's really all there is to it. So if you have any questions, uh, about anything regarding the topics of these shows or even the outcasting show, please email me at cubbyhole at mail.com. And hopefully I will see you guys at the Trivium conference. Hopefully you'll make it. Okay, I'm your host, Nate Cap. Thank you for listening and keep in mind to do no harm, defend truth, you know, defend what's right and keep transcending dogma.